Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome back to The Stacks, a podcast about books and the people who read them. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas. Our guest today is Jenna Ushkowitz, who you might know from her days singing and dancing on Glee and as one of the co-hosts of the Showman's podcast, which you can also find on the Lady Gang Network. Before we talk to Jenna, I just wanted to remind you to use the link in the show notes to find all the books discussed today, as well as the social media accounts for Jenna and all things The Stacks. Shopping through the show notes helps to support The Stacks. People always ask me, how can I support The Stacks? Well, here are a few ways. One, shop through the show notes. It's super easy and it comes at no additional cost to you. Two, join us over on Patreon. Patreon is a place where you earn perks and you get to be a part of our virtual book club and you get to know that your money is going to help keep the lights on around here. So if that sounds like something that you'd be into, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. And this one's super easy. Three, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If it's Google or Apple or Spotify or whatever. And if you're feeling extra lovey-dovey, go ahead and give us a rating and a review and tell your friends about us. Okay, now that all the business is out of the way, it's time for my conversation with Jenna Ushkowitz. All right, everybody, I'm sitting here today with Jenna Ushkowitz. Nope, I added an N. I always add an N. Do people I'm, add N? When, where I did you add the N? No, Ushkowitz. No, you're the first person to do that. Is that real? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to start over. Ushkowitz. Yeah. I'm sitting here today with actress, producer, and co-host of the Showman's podcast, also on the Lady Gang Network, Jenna Ushkowitz. Jenna, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited you're here. Um, We're going to start talking about you, and then we'll kind of move towards books. Great. Because our end goal is books. Yes, obviously. So start with, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How did you become the Jenna that we know? (laughs) Okay, um... Well, I'm Jenna, and um, I am an actor and producer and um, almost director as well, um, directing my first short in October, and I don't know when this is going to air, but... Um, in October. Yay! So I'll be directing my short in October, and I am from Long Island, New York. I was a adopted from Korea, so I was born in Korea. Okay. Um, I was brought to the U.S. at three months, and I grew up on Long Island. Um, I went to private Catholic school for high school, which was also a performing arts high school. Whoa. So 
Yeah, I was. Oh, it was pretty nice. serious. We didn't take gym. <laughs> we took dance. Yeah, okay. it was pretty crazy. Um, and then I went to Marymount Manhattan College. I studied theater performance. And, um, you know, along the way, I made my Broadway debut at nine um, doing show? The King and I. Ugh, amazing. It's like after school activities. Were you one of the singing <laughs> children? Yes, I was one of the children. Amazing. There was 14 of us. Um, wow. so it was really, it was actually, it was like after school activities because I was nine. But so it was like late night, very late night. And did your school accommodate? They did. They really yeah. did. Um, we were very lucky. I, my parents bought a minivan so I could sleep on the way home. <laughs> and then, um, I would go to school in the morning, which started at nine, which like is so interesting to me because it feels, that feels very late now for yes. adults, right? You're like, wow, school starts at no, nine? I think that's late for schools. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think schools now, it's like 745, <laughs> 8. I'm like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, and yeah, and then uh, on Wednesdays, I wouldn't go because I would have two shows. And so the, um, my teacher would actually send me with a folder of work to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were really, really supportive. But in King and I... Those kids are on stage a lot. Oh, yeah. We had like 10 costume changes. We were in like, it's like a two hour and 40 minute show. Yeah. Um, it was a long one. So we share a King and I connection. We do. When I was a child, my <laughs> first like community theater production was <laughs> King and I. And I played one of the dancing children and I wore white face. <gasps> no. Because you know, in that scene oh with Eliza, God. you have to wear like the full white face. I guess that's okay because that's like it's like a ballet. You're yeah. in the ballet. And I think everybody wore white face in the ballet. <laughs> yes. Like Simon and Eliza. Like it didn't yes. matter. But well, yes. now when I look back on You're it, like, I'm like, Ooh. hopefully I don't become the Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> and then all these photos I'll surface. Have to answer to this. <laughs> I hope you didn't have like bright red lips. Oh, for sure. And it was like, it was like white face, like black liner, yeah. like pink cheeks. Oh my God. And then we wore like, you know, like that big hat. Yes. Um, yeah. It was the full thing. We had to like jump on one leg, run, Eliza. As a run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, Simon and all of them wore full on like beautifully made, crafted masks. Mm. So they didn't have to wear the makeup, but Got Eliza it. did. Eliza, Eliza definitely wore yeah. the makeup. So we have a connection. We do. Mine was similar to Broadway, but slightly <laughs> different because it was the Piedmont Civic Light Opera. Oh, but- my God. But similar. In white face, but yeah, definitely but similar. Similar. No, super similar. <laughs> okay. Uh. So then you do Broadway at nine. You Broadway. go to high school. Yes. You tell me how you get to Glee. Okay. So that's like your first like yeah, yeah, ginormous definitely. thing. Um, I was doing Spring Awakening on Broadway at the time. I was 22. Um, and the same casting director, Jim Carnahan from Spring Awakening brought all of the people and they were doing like a U.S. search for Glee, right. you know, and for the members. Um, so I went in for that and along with the rest of the theater of Spring Awakening. <laughs> and um, Ryan Murphy came to New York a couple months later and they told me I had a callback. I had forgotten about it at that point because it was months later, like, right, you know. Right. Um, and then they flew me out for the test and, you know, the rest is history. I, you know, we were there from 2008 moved back to New York. We waited for the pickup. We got picked up and, you know, the rest is actually history right. at that point. And you can watch it all. Oh, it's all recorded. <laughs> it's all on the internet. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Okay. But here's what I'm really interested in because I love that your background's from performing and all of that, but then you kind of shifted mm-hmm. to like a production, the yeah. production side. So A, how did you know that that was something that you were interested in? Yeah. And B, how did you actually make that happen? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually ask myself the same thing all the time. Um, (laughs) As I got older, and especially on Glee, I actually wrote a book, um, which I would do differently if 
if I had the time, we can get to that. Um, But I, you know, I started to realize that I was like really organized and I was a really um, good connector. Okay. And so I started to realize like all of these things actually um, were more valuable than just being a good connector and an organizer. Um, And... I started to get a little, you know, after Glee, like we all kind of went through these weird little lulls. Like we all thought we were going to work immediately after because, you know, that's what, how everybody treated us. But, um, I think we were oversaturated in the industry and that people needed to definitely like, we needed to go away for a while. Mm -hmm. So I got bored. I don't like to sit around and not do anything. (laughs) And when people don't give you the opportunity, I was like, well, then I have to make it myself. And that was a big lesson I learned in college. So, um, you know, I definitely, I, my, one of my best friends now, she, um, is a twin, but she found out that she was a twin on Facebook. Um, it's called, the documentary is called Twinsters. We follow her entire story where she was separated at birth and, um, her twin is actually, was, uh, adopted into a French family. So Mm. she's a French twin. Um, and you know, the, the documentary kind of follows their, their, reuniting and the reunion and um everything after so um my best friend asked me to come on and produce that film um because she wanted to keep it in the family of like people who were um could really relate to her story and understand Mm. it instead of selling it to a studio where you know they would be able to you know dictate her story she was like i really feel like i have to keep the integrity of this so she brought on you know whoever she wanted and i was lucky enough to be a part of that and that was my first taste of uh producing and everybody was like first time filmmakers and you know we're all just kind of helping each other figure it out um and then i got into the theater producing and that was actually through a group called uplift um that i'm still kind of a part of um where they're creating an army of young um, underrepresented, uh, you know, people who want to break into the producing world. But obviously that's difficult when you have all, you know, 50 plus white men and right. how do you break in? So we had one of these awesome producers, Hunter Arnold, um, decide that he was going to, if he couldn't find them, he would make them. And so he created this army of really, uh, young, talented hungry producers and i was lucky enough to be a part of that and i produced on once on this island the revival and the tony award winning luckily won a tony (laughs) i never thought that would happen in my entire life but here we are i'm so sad i missed that living in california (laughs) that's the worst thing is that you don't get to see you miss the theater because i went to nyu so i used to see theater all the time and then I know. Now it's like I have to make trips. Yeah. To go see things when you can only see so many things. So many things. And 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 all your theater tickets are um, mad expensive. expensive. Mad expensive. It's crazy. It's wild. It's actually like ludicrous. It is. It is. For theater. Do you know um, the show A Strange Loop that just happened? Yes. So I I know Michael Michael Jackson, Michael Living Jackson um, from NYU. And he has posted a lot on social media about how he makes room for affordable tickets Amazing. for like people of color Ugh. but he was at Playwrights Horizons like he wasn't on right. Broadway and you can kind of do that stuff but at a certain point right. it's like it's expensive to make a Broadway show so it's expensive to see a Broadway show totally but that's how you're making your money expensive it, it really is it, it's it's um really alarming to me yeah it's like 250 dollars yeah it's, I mean you know there's still lottery but like back in the day when I when we were in school I was like 
I would go to the theater box office and do Student Rush. It was like twenty six dollars yeah. a ticket. But they still do that, right? Twenty Student Rush. I don't know. Oh, I don't. I'm Who so knows? I'm so past those days. I don't I know. even look That's like the, the picture thing. on my ID. Anymore. I know. I, oh <laughs> I'm elderly. I don't even want to see that ID. I know it's not. It's not a good look. Okay, here's my <laughs> question: Because you've had so many different jobs, yeah, and I'm sure some things come more naturally to you than others. Yes. But I'm sure some things are more enjoyable to you than others. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So <laughs> I, I guess the question is like, does anything stick out as being particularly your favorite of your jobs? Or does anything stick out as being a particularly like challenging yeah. part of your job? Yeah, definitely. I mean, acting still definitely sticks out to me um, when auditions pop up and those opportunities. Like that still really excites me. Um but I wouldn't say like these other things are interim for that, you know, waiting right. for that. Um, I think particularly challenging is producing um, on the side that I do it. It's a lot of raising money. It's a mm. lot of asking people for money and taking a risk. You know, it's it could be a really great investment, but it could just, you know, a lot of shows don't make their money back. A majority right. of shows don't make their money right. back. So that's particularly challenging for me because... I, you know, you have to get over that idea of like guilt if it doesn't do well. Right. Um, and people putting their trust in you, which uh, I feel like as an actor, like we can put our trust in the, the production and the studio and the director and everything else. And if it doesn't right. turn out well, you can almost blame it on them sometimes. Right. <laughs> but for for this, I, I feel like there's a bit more responsibility, especially with directing as well. That's, you know, it, it does lay, a lot of it lays on your shoulders. So Right. And do you find that it gets easier as you keep doing it? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, the producing definitely gets easier. You you also create an army and a roster of people who trust you and, you know, follow you. And so it does get easier. I mean, each project when you're in it doesn't get easier. Right. I still can't <laughs> sleep at night. But um, yeah, for sure. And I'm sure directing will get easier as you do it as well. So. I know we have to have like a follow-up episode where right? you tell us how it went. Oh, God. You know what? I hope I come back and I'm like, it was <laughs> Great. <laughs> how do you source your material? Like, where do you, how do you decide what you want to produce? Like, do things come into your life or are you like, oh, I just read this great book and I think we should make it into a thing? A little bit of both, actually. I've had both kind of sides um, and opportunities. There was a book that... Um, the agent came to me, the, the, her, the author's agent came to me and said, she's looking to, to option this book and mm. we think you'd be really great for it. So I pitched it to her and, you know, nothing really turned out from it, but I got, I was pretty excited and that was, um, I really like that because it gives me the opportunity to creatively, mm -hmm. um, you know, think about things and, and it's not just money and financial, uh, opportunities. Right. But there's also like sometimes like, things fall in our lap. Like once on this Island happened to be one of the projects, you know, the first project that uplift was a part of. So, you know, I feel like that was also really lucky. Um, yeah, sometimes they fall into my lap. Sometimes they arrive and sometimes I'm like, this would be really great. And then you find out the book has been optioned already. Right. So because <laughs> most are, everything's <laughs> optioned. It's a night. Well, and now yeah, it's like, I think we talked about this on the show before, but now it's like Reese Witherspoon oh will pick a book knowing that she's going to option it to like create the, <laughs> the universe buzz. and the buzz around it. That's where it's like a brilliant. book hasn't even come out yet, but it's already her pick and it's already in production. And it's you're so like, Wait brilliant. A <laughs> so when you get like Reese Witherspoon level yes. clout. Exactly. Like, that's it. You're like, like, oh, I guess I got to go 
be a part of Reese Witherspoon's production. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, no, you have to do yeah, your own. True. Jenna's. I know. I Jenna's know. Book Jenna's club. book club. Slash well, mostly just to option into things. Exactly, to make into <laughs> films and TV. But also, um, I'm not I'm not a good reader. What does that mean? So I I like reading. Okay. Um, but it takes me a minute to get there. Okay. Um, I won't pick up a book uh seasonally, monthly, weekly. It's not the the jam that I go with. It's kind of like if somebody recommends something or I feel like I'm ready, just because also I grew up in a car um, auditioning, and I couldn't. I couldn't read. Yeah. Um, and when I read in school, it was either incentive based because you get a sticker at Pizza Hut if you read a book, right? Or um, you know, and then growing up, like as an actor, you read so many scripts, right? Um, so my brain was like, it, "This is all required." Mm. So it took it takes me a minute to reframe um, and go like, no, Jenna, you actually do like reading and you there are books that won't feel required, um, kind of like the immortalists. But um, yeah, I'm not like the best frequent reader. That's OK. Yeah. Most people aren't. That's good to hear. I feel I, like most people in my world are frequent readers. Well, I think I think in your world, yes, because a lot of people are looking for the next thing, right? Like that is true. And it, they probably feel like some of it is work too. Definitely, that's the thing. Like, where do, where's the line? Like, right. uh, do you go into it thinking like this could be a really fun read, and then you know walk walk out with it like saying this could be optioned? Like, how do you frame that? Yeah, it's hard. I think I don't know. I mean, reading is. Well, something that I love, right. but now it does feel like work for me too. Right. Because I'm reading for the show. Like right. a book like The Immortalist, which I will get into next week, so I won't say how I felt about <laughs> it, but that felt like work when I picked it up. Right. I won't say how it felt by the time I got to the end, but that's like The Immortalist oh, isn't a book that I ne- necessarily would naturally pick up. Okay. That makes me feel better. Yeah. So like there are books <laughs> and then there are books that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read this just for me. It's going to be a pleasure read. And then I end up hating it. <laughs> and I'm like, this book was garbage. And I'm so annoyed that I picked up a bad book, but it's just like a movie or a TV show. Exactly. I, like sometimes you start you're watching like, something you're like, this absolutely is bad. not. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, you know, everyone's so hyped about it. And like last week on the show, we did educated and everyone's oh, yeah. like so hyped on educated. And I yeah. really did not care for it that much and <laughs> I did it for list. the show so I had to finish it wow so it's like okay I feel like reading can be work and yeah. can be pleasure and it's you know sometimes that's like part of the journey totally I mean I I watch a lot of tv and I'm I'm half visual half audio so like I need a little bit of both but I um I watch a lot of tv but halfway through like a show I'll just stop watching yeah um and I feel like I do that with a lot of books. So last year I made a rule that I couldn't buy any more books because buying books is a really nice hobby for Ugh, me. Me too. Ugh, love it. <laughs> um, that I made a rule that like I couldn't buy any more books until I finished the ones I wanted to finish first. And so I did that last year. You read I books did. that you wanted to read. I did. And did I you feel them. like it was work or did you actually end up like No, them? I like those. I like those. Yeah. That Those are the moments they get me to pick up another book. Yeah. I think it's true. I also feel like it's like for me, my listeners know this story, but basically the way that I got back into reading because I used to read a ton in New York on the subway like a ton right and then I moved to LA and you're I driving read, like no books ever <laughs> and then I set a goal and I was like I'm gonna read a book a month 
for oh, the year. And so I got to December and I finished my 12th book like on December 30th. And I was like, first of all, I'm a baller. I like actually did a new did year's it. resolution. <laughs> but then the next year I was like, okay, I'm going to do 13. And then I had finally gotten that muscle back and that habit back of like mm-hmm. getting in bed and reaching for a book. Totally. And then it kind of picked up from there and I was reading like way more books a month than just one. And obviously now I read a ton more than that. Yeah. But it felt like one a month was manageable. And I always tell people like, if you want to get back into reading, you just have to set like achievable goals. So for you, it was like, don't buy Buy anything else. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. So I feel like, and then also you have to like make a space for reading. Like I'm not going to turn on the TV when I come home. I'm going to go put on my jammies and Go you read have to for thirty minutes. Like, I see default. We all default. You know, totally. I'll set an alarm for myself if I'm feeling like really like spacey. That's smart. I'm like, okay, thirty minutes of reading, and mm-hmm. then usually I want to read another thirty minutes. That's good. I, I yeah, I definitely have to schedule everything because I'm a scheduler. So I <laughs> schedule in TV time. I schedule in. I just don't schedule in reading time. Yeah. So I think that's the key. Yeah. There's all sorts of tricks. I feel like, but it's also like you have to want to read. Like if you read and you're like, I hate every book I read, I'm like, then you're maybe just not a reader and that's fine and like move that's on. But if you too. enjoy it, it's I like, do. great. I continue. do. And I'll like, I'll, I'll fly through a book. So it's not like I, I can or I won't. It's just like, you got to find the right ones. Yeah, or else that's also true. You get very discouraged. Yeah, I get discouraged. I feel like I read somewhere the average person reads like three books a year. Which, okay. Which is not that many. Not that many. But it's not nothing. And that makes sense. If you think about all the books in the world, finding the right one to actually finish. Yes. You know, yes. If you're only handful. reading three, there's pressure on like, which, one? which one? Exactly. Because <laughs> for me, I'm like, I read a hundred books in the year. Like I can right. read a book and I won't care if it's a waste of my time. Right. But if it was the only, if I only saw three movies a yeah. year, I would make a big deal. Yeah. About, there's a lot of pressure and yeah, expectation exactly. for, for the book that you choose. Exactly. Ugh. Okay. Before we go, I want to ask you about showmance. Okay. So it's you and Kevin. Mm-hmm. Famously, also of Glee. Oh my god! You guys are pals. We are BFFs. 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 And for life. You are on the Lady Gang Network, like me. Yay! So some of you probably already listened to the show, and you're like, "This again?" But just tell us a little bit about the show. Yeah, Showmance was um, birthed because Becca Tobin was like, "Why aren't you guys working together again?" <laughs> and she texted us on a group text, and Kevin, she was like, "Do you guys want to do a, a podcast?" And Kevin and I were like, "Yep." without a topic or anything. And we wanted it to be really organic. So that's where Showman's um, was birthed because we just felt like um, the most universal thing is, you know, or is connection and friendship and, you know, work and work wives and uh, friends and couples. And so we were really interested to hear other people's stories as well as share our very unique experience. Right. Usually it's two people. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just a lone soldier. You had my, probably one of my biggest non-literary, like, crush slash loves of my life. Who? Who I'm a huge fan of. Ira Madison Third. Oh my God, love Ira. I stand Ira so hard. <laughs> I love Ira. I love Keep It. I, yes. When I saw that, I was like, wait, excuse me. <laughs> they broke the form. It's only one person and it's Ira. Like He was actually the first one we broke the I form know, with. No, I know. And I was like, <laughs> I want to break the form with Ira. Ira is um, a G. We love Ira. Kevin and Ira have been friends for a while now, but I follow Ira on, in, uh, on, on Twitter, Twitter because... Yes. It's he's one of the best gold. Twitter I mean, it is Twitter gold. Um, and that's how he like created his business in a way. Yeah. Um, 
we love Ira. We do sometimes do singles because like people have stories to share. Like yeah. it's not like you can't tell your story about your best friend or your experiences right. without, but I like, um, the thing we did when we started it was having the two. We didn't realize like that was going to be our favorite just because like watching people's dynamics, mm-hmm. um, are fantastic. It's so fascinating and we're, we learned so much about them in that hour. So we just wanted to share as much of that as we could. Yay. Along with the Ira Madisons of the world. Yeah. Who are just fancy enough to be their own. Do you listen to Keep It? His yes. Podcast? Sometimes. I don't listen to all of them. Oh, I'm like real You're religious. religious. Oh, you're oh. in it. It's so Keep yeah. It comes out the same day as the stacks. And <laughs> I obviously listen to Keep It first. It's like <laughs> I'm like, well, I've already edited that. It's fine. I know what they say. Yeah, right. But you like, know, I don't know what I'm happens. like, oh my God, who's the guest? Oh keep it. my like, god. I, lo- I also funny. love Kara Brown, who no longer is on the show. Oh but, no, really? No, she oh. left. She's like she wrote a TV pilot that um they oh, just picked God. up that, that busy. Jada Pinkett Smith is gonna be in. It's her she and like Rashida Jones what? wrote it. I know. So I'm like Fan. Kara, I'm also a huge Kara. I mean I'm a Go huge it. keep it stand, but <laughs> I just, I love it. It's That's really funny. I love it. Yeah, we love Ira. Um you should have Ira on the stack. Yeah, can you like hook it up? Yeah, for I sure. Gladly will. Anytime. Yeah. I will yes I will. Perfect. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last Three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, 
The learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. So before we dive into your books, we do a little thing here called Ask the Stacks, where someone's written in and they've asked me and you to recommend books. I haven't oh. told you about this. It's a surprise for you. Oh my God. But I think it's going to be good for you because I actually feel like Yes. Now looking back over this. Yes. Okay. So it comes from Connie. Okay. She says, I watch a lot of TV and haven't been reading at all in the last few years. What's a great book that's going to hook me from the start and isn't too serious? To be honest, I'm not sure what I like, so I'm willing to try anything. So it's pretty open-ended and it kind of sounds a lot like you in the sense that it's like books that grab yeah. you and are good and entertaining. So I'll give a few of the things that I came up with. I came with okay. three kind of different books, Connie, okay. in the hopes that something would hit. Okay. One is Hunger Games. Yes. The Hunger Games series is so compulsively readable. It's YA, it but so don't roll your fast. eyes. It's so fun. Yeah. You get three books. So if you like it, you have three books you could read in yeah. addition, you know, so that you could like keep it, it opens going. It up. Yeah. And there's movies if you want to watch it. So it gives you a lot. Right. So that's my first one. My mm-hmm. second one is a book that we did on the show, on the short stacks. It's called Ladies Who Punch. And it's the like behind the scenes <laughs> tell all about the view. <gasps> and that's a TV show. So I figured if Connie liked TV, maybe there that's was a, a good thing. one. That's it's a good really one. a good book. It's really entertaining. And then the last one, and this is controversial, but I don't care. Um, <laughs> I picked James Fry's book, A Million Little Pieces, that book that was like, it was like his memoir. It's a little serious because he's a drug addict and he goes to rehab, but it's so readable and it turns out some of it maybe wasn't true, but that's okay because the book is really good. And it had a lot of controversy because Oprah had picked it and whatever, but it's really good. And then there's a sequel called My Friend Leonard. So if you like it, it, it opens up the door. It keeps yeah. it going. So I gave you three books, but I really gave you like seven books. Oh, man. Well, okay. <laughs> you so, could do as many as one or two or none all or right. whatever. Well, here's my thought. Okay. Um, I'm a big YA okay. reader. Yes. I love YA. Um, John Green is my favorite author. Okay. He has so many books. Um, and if you don't like one, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to like any of his others. Oh, okay. So you, I feel like, you know, she could pick one up and say, this isn't for me. But if she likes the, the genre, then you could keep going with that author. Um, like I'm reading right now. I am in the middle. I put it down, but I'm going to pick it back up again really soon is <laughs> Turtles All the Way Down. Okay. Um, really cute so far. Um, and so I feel like, uh, John paints a really good picture and I think it's like, it does feel like a little bit of a TV show where he really dives into these characters, but they're so relatable and they're, it's not too, it's not too deep. So right. that seems like what she's like. Fault on our stars. Also. Yes, exactly. And, that, and looking not... for Alaska and paper towns. Yeah. Yes. I fault on their stars. We can get to that, but okay. yeah. You love it. Yes. He was on 60 minutes, like maybe a year or two ago and he it was, was really good. It was a really good episode. I love him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now we're going to move on to you. We always start here. Two books you love, one book you hate. Okay. I love Fault in Our Stars, John Green. Um, I also love When Breath Becomes Air. (gasps) So good. Uh, um, And okay, so this is the one I hate. And here's the thing. I don't read enough to have a book that I actually hated. okay. But um, Being Mortal is Atul Gawande. And um, I read it and I was expecting more of like a When Breath Becomes Air. Mm. And I got more of like a breakdown of the um, senior care system, which I was like wanted to throw the book across the room. Yeah. So I love Atul Gawande. Yes. But I've not read Being Mortal. But his book... (laughs) 
um, educational made you feel nothing. Right. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a little bit more nonfiction as opposed to like totally. story. But if you want a book that's like When Breath Becomes Air, I have one for you. It's called yes. The Unwinding of the Miracle. Okay. And it's by a woman named Julie Yip Williams. She was born in Vietnam. Then her family went to Hong Kong and then they came to America. She was born legally blind. Oh blind, blind. So not even just legally blind. Yeah. She had a surgery at UCLA. She got her vision back. She becomes this high powered lawyer, okay. gets diagnosed with cancer. Okay. It's her death memoir. So if you liked that kind of thing. No, that's literally, I'm, I'm buying okay. that. <laughs> not only do you get to read the book, we also did it on the show. So you can come back and listen to the yes. episode where we do the deep dive into the book. So. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank just, you. Give me, I'm I'm, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. No, I love it. Okay. What's the last really great book you read? Well, um, I was on vacation and we were talking about this and I know we're going to go into it next week, but the, the Immortalist. Okay. We'll save everything about the Immortalist for next week, yes. but yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay. What are you, well, you told us what you're reading. You're reading John Green right now. You're going back well, to it. Or are you I'm, reading something else? I'm also reading, I'm, I'm listening to something in the water. Okay. And I'm also, which I Is that a thriller? Yeah. It, it sounds thrillery. It is a thriller, okay. but it doesn't feel like a thriller. Not so yet. I'm, I'm like a quarter in and I'm a- angry. Okay. Um, and then, <laughs> uh, I'm also listening to Steve Jobs, the Walter Isaacson okay. one. Um, and then yes, I will be reading the rest of Turtles All the Way Down. And do you listen a lot? Are you a big book listener? Yeah, I actually, I switch back and forth. I'm a true crime podcast listener. Okay. So I will, when I need a break from that, I'll go and listen to Audible, okay. but I, um, I will more than likely finish a book if it's hard copy. Okay. And which true crime podcast? Every single one. Do you do like my favorite murder? Well, yeah, I do a little bit of that. I do crime junkie. I do like the full narrated ones. Like right now I'm doing the Zodiac killer. I'm also doing, um, I did cold, um, uh, how to live and die and uh, to live and die in LA. I mean, like I you couldn't name get it. into I'm, that one. Oh, I like that one. I like. I it took get, me a second, but yeah, I, I started it I, and I, I was like, eh. I love true crime. Yes. Do you read true crime books? No, don't like it. You don't like it. No, too scary. Um, it doesn't too paint slow. the picture as much as like I think I like the the dramatic effect of the narration. Got it. Yeah, of like okay. hearing it. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Great. I'm just. I'm always <laughs> curious. I'm curious when people are interested in one or not the other. Totally. Just because I feel like... It's fascinating, right? It's like, it should be all the same, but it's not. But it's not. Um, Are there any books that are on your radar that you're looking forward to reading? Yeah, I just pre-ordered Over the Top, Jonathan Van Ness's Mm. book, which there was a really great New York Times article about the book and him coming out as, you know, a sexual abuse survivor and um, HIV positive. And so um, really excited for that one. When does that come out? Uh, October. So soon. Yeah, soon. 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 It comes out soon. Um, And then I also, in my Amazon cart right now, which... I have to look and see how many books I have left <laughs> that I haven't finished. I think there's, it's only turtles. Um, how, uh, this is how it always is. Mm. And then also, uh, Eleanor, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Okay. I've heard mixed things about Eleanor Oliphant. I haven't read it. Okay. That's not, so generally what I read is like a lot of nonfiction, a lot of like mm-hmm. serious, heavy, mm-hmm. true crime. Um, wow. like I really like like a dark book, like if I'm reading for me or else books about like racism, Got social it. injustice, like that's my personal reading. Got it. And so a book like Ella, Eleanor El- Oliphant is, is this like for this. so far away from <laughs> what I want to be reading that I, it's just really a challenge for me. So it's, it's work. It's, that it's, is a, tr- this is a stacks. Yeah. That would book. be, if I did that, for sure. I would only do it on the show. I would, <laughs> like there, I have a joke that I, there's a one book that I'll never do on the show, which is eat, pray, love. <laughs> Cause that's like my nightmare. <laughs> totally. But I was, I was, 
I do these for the show. I preview the book and I'll be like, okay, yes. guess what the book's going to be. And I did this thing. I was like, it's a really popular memoir. It's this and that. <laughs> and the book was educated, but like five people Eat, wrote pray, back love. Eat, Pray, Love. And I was <laughs> legit angry. I was like, do you not know my brand? Okay. <laughs> there is no Eat, you Pray, don't Love get me. around here. Okay? I actually um, picked that one up and never finished it. So I, I don't you. care. I mean, no, it, I'm with you. There's nothing against her. It's just like, that totally. is my nightmare of a book. I, for I get me. it. I get Anyways. it. Anyways. I get it. How do you pick your next book? Like, do you go to friends? Do you obviously sometimes maybe you'll read something in the New York Times? Yeah, it's a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything. I I trust friends the most, um, but I also do go to Oprah's book club. I go to you know on uh, the top on Amazon, and then I also go to Reese's book club. Did I say that? And um, but mostly friends. Um, and then I'll go and I'll read the description, and if the description doesn't get me, it's out. Hmm, that's interesting. But then I'll archive them and I'll think about them. And in my brain, no. Goodreads is a website where you can actually like catalog your books. Oh, interesting. I like it because you probably like it because you're type A. When you finish a book, you can put finished, (gasps) and then it like keeps all your finished books, and you can put stars about what you think about them, and you can set a goal for the year, and it like has a little bar where it tracks. Oh. My God. And it tells you on the website how, if you're on track, like I'm three books ahead right now for my goal for the year. <laughs> and it makes me feel really good. This might be a game changer for me just because I need goals. I need yes, to plan. Goodreads.com. <laughs> and you can go back and all the books you've read in the past, you can also enter them. See, I to, for this podcast, I also went back into like 2014 and looked at the books I ordered on my Kindle when I was mm. reading on a Kindle. And like that brought back a lot of memories. Do you still read on a Kindle? No. No? What no. happened? Uh, it's I'm past that. I'm past it. I, <laughs> you moved on. I like reading on a Kindle when I when I would travel, like beach vacations, because you could bring numerous books and not have to carry them. Right. But there's something um, which I feel like a lot of people feel is very nostalgic and important about holding a book. Do so. you know what's so interesting? It's I read recently that Kindle sales are down, even though book sales are not. And audiobook sales are up, which is part mm-hmm, of it, but mm-hmm. Kindle is down. And I think a lot of people are moving away from the Kindle. From the Kindle. It was a fad. I think it was. It was a total thing. I think that there's something like about holding it. And I also think because now we're on our phones so much. Yep. Listening. Like I don't want to be on my screen. It's true. Like I want, like if I'm going to read, I want to be read. Like away and like. That's actually a good point. Um, yeah, I definitely, yeah, I'm back to that. I thought when I had the Kindle, I was like, I'm never going to hold a book again, but that's, that was a lie. I'm the opposite. I just bought a Kindle a few months ago. <laughs> is there a new Kindle? No, mine was very No, outdated. I got the cheapest, oldest one on Amazon Prime Day. <laughs> I mean, I got the, I had the cover. I had the whole thing. Yeah. I was very excited about it. I like it when I read at night when my husband's asleep. Oh, because the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I can do is like if I'm reading a few books, I can have, I can borrow them from the library. So I've never bought a book on Kindle. I've only ever used my library card to do it. But I love that there's a library card on Kindle. Yeah. I don't know. You make me want to maybe get back to a Kindle. Well, see if you like it. I don't know. I much prefer a book. I won't totally. read anything on Kindle that I don't actually own as a book unless I'm reading something for the show and they haven't gotten the book yet. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I don't have many books in my house anymore because the rule is now I only keep the book if I really like it. Mm. Um, otherwise, um, we we are trying to um, live minimally. And so that means I got rid of a lot of Did books. Did you Marie Kondo? 
I did Marie Kondo. Did I have never seen book? it, but did I have never read book? it. No, uh-huh. but I just did it based off of what I thought it was. The book is great. And I was like, this doesn't bring me joy. So <laughs> <laughs> I read it. I got rid of a lot of books. It's a good book. I really loved it. I heard it. the book was better than the, the docuseries. The I heard the docuseries was not very productive. It wasn't like tips. It was yeah. more of like her going in and doing yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's what it is. But the book is really great. I loved it. Um, okay. What's a book that you like to recommend to other people? Um, I... I definitely recommend When Breath Becomes Air a lot. Um, but for newer readers, which is a lot of when I, you know, people who ask me about books, um, The Alchemist, mm. I feel like is weird enough <laughs> that I don't feel stupid about recommending it. But also, um, I, I, you're going to take something away from it, I feel like. So whether you hate it or love it, I don't really care. But yeah, I feel like you'll take something away from it. That's so good. What's the best book someone's given to you, gifted to you? Um, my friend Ben actually gave me a book when I was living in New York called The Surrender Experiment. And I it's know that. Um, Michael A. Singer. He wrote The Untethered Soul. Uh-huh. Um, and The Surrender Experiment was actually, you learn a lot from it. It's slightly health, self-help, but it's also um, autobiographical. Like he, he did everything based off of what he was told to do um, for his life for a whole year. And he ended up being like really successful in his own right. Um, And he kind of had to go by like live by everybody else's impulse and said, you should do this. So he had to do it. Like you should teach at call it at this school. So he went and taught there. And like, it was things that um, the thing I took away from it, because it could get a little far fetched was that like, there are things that you you would normally say no to just because your impulse is fear and your impulse is, you know, n- that scares me and right. that doesn't feel right because I don't know it. Right. Um, but, you know, the thing I took away was like I should say yes to some more things that actually make – that's my immediate impulse. Have you read Shonda Rhimes' Year of Yes? <sighs> I read like 10 pages okay. and then I got rid of it. Oh, okay. Is it good? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> but it's kind of like that. Okay. I did a year of yes. You did. So she, did she do actually 365 of yes? She Well, I think she did more after the fact. Like I think <sighs> she started it and then liked her life better that way. Was it pretty was it pretty rigid like she would have to say yes to things or Yeah, I mean, <laughs> cuz his was pretty rigid. It wasn't like, "Oh, you should eat like only raw vegetables and she was like yes I will it was more like oh Shonda will you come speak at this event and, and like really like, have yes. to say yes to things yeah like that. so it was like a Got lot it. more of like because her thing is that she was like really a no person like mm-hmm. she didn't make room for things so like her kids would be like mom play with me and she'd be like no I'm on my way to the Emmys and so mm-hmm. like during her year of yes there's a scene where she's like in a sequin gown and her daughter's <laughs> like mom come look at this thing and so she ends up being late to the event because she spends 15 minutes with her daughter like Cute. playing so it's more like got it. It's more like a spiritual yes than an actual yes. Rigid like I must. Someone said I should go scuba diving, so right. now I have to go to Turks and Caicos. Like yeah, it wasn't quite yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, check it out. I liked it. The fifty million books I have to check out. Sure, you can borrow my copy, so you have to buy one. Thank you. There you go. Thank you. Um, besides John Green, authors that you love, anybody? Uh, I mean, I. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> you can say no. No, before I before I was reading, um, uh, when I was reading a lot, it was a lot of self help. 
Okay. Um, and so Brene Brown really came okay. into my existence. And I was actually, it was funny, I was doing this diet where um, with a nutritionist who told me that I couldn't eat in front of anything electronic, like staring at anything mm. electronic, that I actually had to sit in front of my food um, without watching TV or watching my phone. So um, I, when I would cook, I would actually, instead of have the TV on, I would play audiobooks or talks and Brene Brown's um I can't remember which one it is now, but it was like a six, nine hour like session that she mm-hmm. did. Um, and so I would listen, I listened to that and I like fell in love with her. And then mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, I feel like I was late to the, the party with her, but like, I was like, this woman's amazing. Everybody knew about her. I'm late. I've not done it yet. Ugh. She's just, I mean, it's simple. It's simple thoughts. It's simple, um, uh, ways to, approach things but it's so hard as a human to do those things she can say them out loud but she's actually done them and so it's just very relatable okay i know i have to check it out it's on my list it's on my queue on goodreads but okay you know i love her okay okay i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i mean go just watch one of her ted talks and like and then you can hear her voice when she when when you're reading and that's really helpful because she's so charming okay okay she's one of oprah's people i feel like i love all of oprah's people i mean yeah you will love you will love her okay you will love her do you have any favorite bookstores do you ever go to bookstores book culture um when i'm in new york that's really the one I, I, I like because they also have the surprise book. I don't know that. Okay. So it's a book in a um, book in a bag or a book oh, in a paper. Like or a whatever. blind date with And the that's where thing. I got being mortal from. Ooh. So it said if you like these books, you might like this one. Mm. And being uh, When Breath Becomes Air was on that one. So I opened it up and I got being being mortal and I was pretty angry about it disappointed um but i do love the idea of a surprise book <laughs> even I, though i probably will hate them all yeah i've never done it but i've seen it in other bookstores like, it's, it's like, so fun i've seen it called like blind date with the book <laughs> um what's your ideal reading setup like if you're gonna mm-hmm. be the the best jenna reading moments happen where they they most frequently happen during the summer okay um, when it's warm out and usually I'm in a bathing suit. Usually I'm on a chair by a pool or by a beach. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's usually hot out. The sun is out and I'm usually lounging. That's normally what it is. There's no like cozying up with like a blanket and a, a mug of tea reading a book. That okay. sounds horrible to me. Oh my God. That's my, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, it's warm outside. I'm like, I'm sweating. I don't want to be reading. That's weird. I, don't I like, know. I like the snugs. Um, okay. Last book that made you laugh. Um, yes, please. Amy Poehler. Okay. Yeah. She's funny. <laughs> She's funny. I like her. Last book to make you cry. Uh, Fault in Our Stars. Of course. Mm-hmm. Last book that made you angry. Ugh, being mortal, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. But books don't really make me angry. I well, think it's more the situation. Yeah, there's different kinds of angry. Right. It's like, I hate this book or like, I can't believe I, I bought this or right. I can't believe I'm reading this right now or I hate this person. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. What about a book that brought you joy? Oh, um, Art of Racing in the Rain. I don't know that. <sighs> I love it. <laughs> so the idea, it's it's um, Garth Stein is the author. And it just was a movie. They just did a movie with Milo Ventimiglia and mm. Amanda Seyfried, which like I didn't see because I, I can't. Um, I don't want to ruin what's in your mind. Yeah, exactly. The book is narrated from the perspective of the dog. And he is, and it sounds so cheesy, but it's a Formula One racer um, and his dog. And the dog 
basically studies uh, the Formula One racer, his his owner, and um, kind of reflect like uh, reflects on the race race like race car driving. Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Race car driving, um, and like brings out these like really profound metaphors um, okay. for life because he's convinced that he's going to be reincarnated as a human the next time around. Oh. Um, and it's just about him, the race car driver and his wife who then ends up getting diagnosed with brain cancer and the dog. And um, it sounds really cheesy and weird, but it's actually, um, it's so wonderful <laughs> and I love it. So much. My brother has a theory that if you make the do- uh, put a dog in a book, it becomes like a bestseller. No, no problem. I mean, clearly, I'm that audience. So <laughs> we're trying to just, like launch a line of books where it's like about dogs. really no, but it's dogs, <laughs> but it's like about you know like the abortion debate, but like Rover, like dog. Rover goes to Planned Parenthood, and, New York like, Times bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Rover and his transgender. I'm owner. telling you, dogs make everything better. That's so right. I'm just. Uh, it did. I was thinking about that today when I was thinking about Art of Racing in the Rain. I was like, oh, I mean, it is a dog. So anything you, uh, any dog movie, dog book, like yeah. I'm, I'm in. Yeah. You count me in. So you're our built-in audience. You're our target mm-hmm. audience for our social justice I'm there. books. I'm there. <laughs> Maybe, what about, a, yeah. what about <laughs> a book that made you, that you felt like you learned a lot? Um, I recently read, not recently, I read in the last year or two, uh, Quiet by Susan Cain. Mm. And... I was figuring, I was trying to figure out like, cause as actors, people assume we're extroverts mm-hmm. and, um, I found the older I get, um, when I was single, the more introverted I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually really good at being alone. And so I was just trying to learn more about introverts and learn more about, um, if I was one or if it was just that I'm really good at being alone or if I'm like a slight extrovert. So I learned a lot from the book because it's possible to be both. And so that I definitely, I was like, oh wow, this is, this is great. And I, I learned a ton about introverts and a ton about extroverts and how they all work. That's one's on my list. Cause I'm very curious about it. Cause people always think that I'm an extrovert. Right. Cause I'm around people and you're like, you're good around I'm people. I'm going to engage with them, totally. but I'm like, no one come talk to me again for six weeks. Oh, like a- I want to be with my book. Exactly. I need yeah. to recharge. I want to be with my dog watching TV on my couch alone. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. What, oh, are there any books that you're proud that you've read? <laughs> well, here's one. Okay. <laughs> I read in school. Moby Dick. That's a big one. It's a big freaking book. That is a five seven hundred page thing. book. Yeah, unfortunately, I had to. It was AP English, um, but I was pretty proud. Like actual of the physically like closing the book at the end. Um, I couldn't tell you anything about it right now. Sure. Um, but I was pretty proud about it, and I was pretty angry at it too because yeah. it took up a lot of time. It took a lot of your time. Yeah. What about any books you're embarrassed that you've read? Ugh. <sighs> Okay, so I had this on my shelf for a really long time, and I think it was a, a, one of my room, like old roommates that had left it, and I um, kind of acquired it. Okay. Um, the Bunny Tales. I don't know that. <laughs> it was like all about the bunny, the bunnies in the Playboy Mansion. Oh, and it's actually quite interesting, but also like, who wants to? Who is reading that? Like, I'm, I'm you. reading that. I read it. <laughs> Audience, I'm of embarrassed. One. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> the Bunny Tales. I love that. Just Do the you- title. <laughs> I I thought it was going to be a book about actual rabbits, so I kind of was like, oh, she also likes rabbits, not just dogs. There's a theme going on here. (laughs) Animal lover. Um, Do you have any favorite books from school? 
from that were assigned to you in school? Yes. Um, well, one of my favorite books for a really long time, and this was because number one, I finished it. Okay. Um, but also like it stuck with me was to kill, to kill a mockingbird. Okay. Um, and then I remember also sticking with me was the giver. Um, oh, and Fahrenheit four fifty one. I've never read that one. Oh, I own it. It's a good one. Yeah, it's I, on my list. I really like those. Those were the ones that um, stick out the most, other than Moby Dick. Okay. Yeah. And if you were a teacher, high school, middle school, whatever, is there a book that you would assign? <sighs> I mean, uh, those are all required reading, right? So every, that's all going to be that's a given. Yeah. So I would suggest something because I'm like, yeah, I would, I would require a Brene Brown book. Okay. Just because I feel like we don't get enough of the, um, the soul in yeah. in academia and in school. Yeah. So like I think people need that as well, and kids it's need true. that for sure. There's not enough room in schools in curriculum to talk about right. you as a person. Exactly. Like I mean, small. it's clear that they're cutting arts from programs because they don't feel like that's. And so it's right. like, who has time to talk about your soul? Right. You know. Right. It's interesting. It's also probably because English teachers were English majors, maybe not all, but some. And so they probably don't feel like a self-help air quotes book is worthy of 100%. attention. But I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong too. I, I think there's something very important about like English literature and, and the greats and, you know, setting the paving the way for, um, for us. But like, um, there's enough of those. I mean, we read so many freaking books. It's yeah. like there, you, you could slip one in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe we could enjoy a book for once. Well, for once. Are maybe there, you guys pick one and then talk about it. Yeah. No, exactly. that doesn't happen. <laughs> Are there any books that you've read where you feel like you saw yourself represented? Well, I think going back to quiet for the first time, I was like, Oh, and then to all the boys I loved before mm-hmm. I was like, wow. Like in, a Korean author. She, I think she's Korean. Um, and like a Korean girl being represented. I was like, wow, that's great. And I wish I had had that growing, growing up, up. Yeah. When I was younger to look instead of like now when you go like, oh, I wish, you know, looking back. Right. You know. Right. No, totally. There's been a lot of Korean authors in the last mm-hmm. year who have published books. Yes. Really good ones too. Yeah. I Somebody actually gave me the hardcover to Little Fires Everywhere. Mm. And so that's also underneath Turtles. Yeah. She's yeah. out too. Her other book. Um, yes. All I could ever tell you. All I never told you. Everything I never told you. Yeah. Something like I that. Never told, something yeah. about you and me and we're never talking and you. we hadn't talked and about never it before. Told you. <laughs> Yeah, it's news to me now. (laughs) Um, You get the gist. Yeah. Well, you wrote your own book about you. Mm -hmm. You said you'd do it different. (sighs) As I stare out into the... Out into the view. Into the view of the windy trees. I wrote a book. It's called Choosing Glee. Would have changed the title, number one. Start there. Um, What's the title that you would change it to? Well, it was Choosing Glee, uh, 10 Rules I've Lived By to My Happiest, Most Inspired Self. Okay. So the second part of it, the subtitle, is actually very honest. Um, But like, Choosing Glee was just so like opportunistic at the time to do that. Okay. Um, I don't know what I would have called it, but it wouldn't have been that. Okay. (sighs) I wouldn't have written a book while we were shooting 14 hour days. Um, it it felt rushed and it felt, um, a little forced at times, just like trying to push out these stories instead of like, 
letting them flow. Like I had a lot to say, but clearly not enough for a book until Mm -hmm. I really dove deep. But I'm, you know, it wasn't an autobiography. Like we're, you know, I'm 33. Right. um, That's ridiculous. But yeah, I just, I feel like I would have taken more time. Um, It was definitely geared towards a younger audience, but that doesn't mean that. And I think in my brain, it meant like you can dumb it down a little. Mm. And I, and I wish I hadn't done that because I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt and and really treat them the way that I I would want to be treated at that age. So, you know, you live and you learn. learn. And whatever, I wrote a book. Which is amazing. It was fun. That's very cool. It's very therapeutic. Okay, I have two more questions. That's it. Okay. One is, since since you're a producer, you're in the business of making things, (laughs) any books that you would want to turn into a TV show or a movie or a limited series? Yeah. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, no. So here, let me tell you about the one that I actually was was trying to option because okay. I don't think it really matters. Um, I uh, There's an Asian author, Maureen Gu. Okay. And she wrote, I believe in a thing called love. Okay. It's very cute. Um, this Korean girl who's... Uh, excelled in everything else in her high school life, her academics and her extracurriculars and her social life, but she's never had a boyfriend. Mm. And so she's like, how do I do this? How do I get a boyfriend? And so her dad watches old Korean soap operas um, religiously. And so she thought if she could um, create the drama based off of these soap operas that did so well that she, in her own life, that she would get a boyfriend. Right. And so it's a really cute story and I thought would be very to all the boys I loved before and yet also like it was in the YA feel that I really liked, but it was, it had heart and it was about a family and a Korean, in Korean culture. And so, um, that was definitely something that I, I was excited about and that I thought could be a show or a movie. So we'll see. If it right. does, maybe maybe Maureen is listening and she'll come back to you, <laughs> or maybe they're making it right now. Which in that case, great. Can we too? To see it. You know, <laughs> but it won't be as good as your version. Thanks so much. Um, okay, last question. We always do this one. I stole it from the New York Times. If you could require the current president of the United States to read one book, what would you pick? What happened, Hillary Rodham Clinton? Oh yeah, yeah. Burn shade. Okay. Next week, Jenna's back. We're talking about The Immortalists by Chloe Benjamin. Here's the deal, you guys. We're going to spoil the book. So you have a week to read it if you haven't read it yet. If you need more than a week, just come back and listen when you're ready. But it will be there a week from today. The Immortalists, Chloe Benjamin. Go get your copy wherever you get your books. We don't judge. Um, Jenna, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And this we was will, so fun. This was great. And we'll see you guys in the stacks. That's all for today. Thank you for listening as always. And thank you to Jenna Ushkowitz for being our guest. Find everything we discussed on today's show in the show notes. For more from The Stacks, follow us on social media at The Stacks Pod on Instagram and at The Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter. And check out our website, thestackspodcast.com. Remember to get your book recommendations read on the air by sending us an email at askingthestacks at gmail.com. To join the Stacks Pack and get inside access to this show, go to patreon.com slash the stacks. Please make sure you are subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite and our theme music is from Tegiragis. This show is created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas. I will see you in the Stacks.